This is the Illumina Genomics Podcast. Hi, and welcome to episode 24 of the Illumina Genomics Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Broman, and I'm a scientific liaison here at Illumina. Every podcast, I interview genomics experts who are shaping our understanding of science and nature. Atopic dermatitis, or eczema, is an inflammation of the skin, resulting in itchy, red, and swollen areas. It commonly starts in childhood, but about 20% of people are affected by it at some point in their lives. Although the exact causes are unknown, it has been associated with skin colonization or infection by the bacterial species Staphylococcus aureus. And recently, scientists have shown that infants with increased skin levels of Staph aureus were more likely to develop atopic dermatitis. This suggests that changes in skin bacteria might actively contribute to developing atopic dermatitis. Today I'm talking with Dr. Julie Segre, Chief and Senior Investigator of the Translational and Functional Genomics Branch at the National Human Genome Research Institute in Bethesda, Maryland. Julie uses next-generation sequencing, or NGS, to study the microbial diversity of human skin in both health and disease states, with a focus on atopic dermatitis, eczema, and other microbial-associated infections. She also develops genomic tools to track hospital-acquired infections of multidrug-resistant organisms. Julie started our interview by explaining how she became interested in applying genomics to the study of skin biology. I worked as a graduate student on the genetic and physical map of the mouse um, and did one of the early positional cloning projects. When I finished my PhD, I decided that I could take a break from genomics, which at that point it was sort of clear that we were going to be ramping up and it would be really a lot of sequencing and there was some cool technology development happening, but that if I wanted to have a career in genomics, I should really learn more about a system. Mm -hmm. And so I did postdoctoral training in a skin biology lab. So in fact, working on the skin microbiome combines my two interests. At the time, with skin biology, I was really looking at how the skin cells balance proliferation versus differentiation and thinking about using genomics to study dermatologic diseases. Julie discussed some of the clinical implications that can result from changes in the skin microbiome. Her research aims to understand how changes in the skin microbiome impact skin disorders like atopic dermatitis. Our studies have focused primarily on childhood eczema or the atopic dermatitis because this is a disease that we think we could really develop more personalized approaches to the treatment of atopic dermatitis. We have therapies, but we don't know which one is going to be optimized for which patient. In terms of atopic dermatitis, right now, the dermatologist will work with the patients to really try to reset their baseline. And we are interested in how strains like Staph aureus come in and overwhelm the skin microbial community and looking at it from the perspective of what are the strains that are present in kids who don't develop eczema, 
but are at risk because they have a parent or a sibling who has eczema. Our longer-term goal is this idea of trying to bolster the microbial community to provide greater colonization resistance against strains that may exacerbate disease. A microbiome is the combined genetic material of all the microorganisms from a particular environment or part of our body. And although there are multiple niches in and on our body where microbes can be found, the human gut and skin microbiomes have been studied most extensively. The skin and gut are obviously very different environments, and so each is colonized by different types of bacteria. The different bacterial environments also influence how the different microbiomes are studied. In that context, they are both diverse communities made up of bacteria that belong to the same phylums, but obviously different species. We have really very different nutrients available on the skin than we do on the gut. And in fact, the skin is a very nutrient-poor environment. So the bacteria that live on the skin are mostly the ones that can take advantage of the oils on the skin and the ability to eat the sort of dead squames, the dead skin cells. I mean, if you were a microbe and you had a choice, you'd live in the gut, (laughs) not in the skin. In terms of technically how we study the skin microbiome versus the gut microbiome, Mm -hmm. we have a tremendous advantage that the skin is accessible. Right. So that's our greatest advantage. And What we've really tried to use the skin for was to do these ecosystem studies to understand why it is that dermatologic disorders manifest at such stereotypic locations. Eczema is in the bend of the elbow and psoriasis is on the outside of the elbow. Julie explained that these slightly different areas of our skin can host entirely different microbial communities. Understanding the differences in these skin microbiomes could help us to better understand the disease course of atopic dermatitis. Moreover, by comparing healthy and diseased skin microbiomes, scientists might even be able to identify microbial signatures or biomarkers that could help to stratify patients. It could be that you have slightly different you know, skin. This is a, outside of your elbow is a drier skin, and this inside of your elbow is a moist crease. But what that also translates into is that you have different microbial communities inside your elbow than outside your elbow. For the kids who have eczema, this bend of your elbow is a permissive environment where staphylococcus can come in and take over and dominate the community uh, and can thrive. What we do is we take these little foam swabs that are like Q-tips and we swab this little millimeter here and we swab this little millimeter here. And we get this topographic view of the microbial communities that are specific to body sites, and they're anatomical sites that we all understand. Right. The moist crease behind your ear. This is one of the first sites that a kid will show eczema. Really? Yeah. And if a kid has eczema, they will never have it at the tip of their nose. (laughs) And so we have all of these clinical findings because... You know, a pediatrician, a dermatologist, we're all so trained to look at the human form that we recognize all of these patterns. We have this richness of clinical data, and we're focused on the microbial component of diseases, in particular diseases that are 
often well treated with antibiotics, which means that they there's probably some sort of microbial component to them. Right. Typically with kids who have eczema, there are several different treatments and we don't know, and they all look like rashes. Mm-hmm. Which one is going to work well for this kid? And right. could we develop microbial biomarkers that would suggest that you could begin to test when is this kid about to flare and you could escalate treatment before they've itched themselves red as well could you identify based on the microbial signature of what their healthy microbiome is and what their microbial status is when they're flaring when they have these episodic exacerbations well this is a kid who's going to respond very well to topical steroids this kid is going to respond very well to antibiotics but you should give them this antibiotic or that antibiotic Shotgun metagenomics is a technique that scientists use to study microbiomes, and it involves capturing and sequencing all the genomic material present in a sample. An alternative approach is targeted sequencing of 16S ribosomal RNA genes, commonly referred to as 16S or amplicon sequencing. Shotgun metagenomics allows Julie to identify individual bacterial strains present on the skin's surface, And she explained why this is important in the context of atopic dermatitis. Why it's important for us to use shotgun metagenomics rather than amplicon sequencing is that I need to get to the strain level. It's not enough for me to know what species of bacteria is there. Mm -hmm. I need to know what strain of Staphylococcus epidermidis is there, what strain of Staph aureus is there. We're familiar with the idea that some strains are antibiotic resistant, some are antibiotic susceptible, but the pan-genome and the difference between two strains of Staph epidermidis can be 20% of their genomes. Wow. And that 20% that's sort of open and is the flexible part of the genome, that contains virulence factors, (laughs) antimicrobial resistance genes. So it's really important for me, and it's important for me to know When a kid has a flare, an atopic flare, is it every strain of staph? Are they colonized by multiple strains of staph aureus, or are they just colonized by one strain of staph aureus? And the answer is they're colonized with one strain of staph aureus. Really? And each kid has their own strain of staph aureus. Wow. So we need to know it at that level of resolution if we're going to come up with the breakthrough cures for the next generation. Compared to the human gut microbiome, Skin microbes are easier to culture in the laboratory. This allows Julie and her team to fully sequence the genomes of these strains to create reference genomes. A reference genome is the representative genome of a particular species, and it helps to determine which sequences or reads match or map to a particular species. Julie explained why reference genomes are especially important when studying the skin microbiome. The other advantage we have is that the skin microbes are relatively easy to culture. And that means that we can create these very rich reference genome sets. When I'm sequencing the skin microbiome, I have 100 staph epidermidis genomes that I've sequenced. So I have a full articulation of not just one strain, but every gene that could be in the staph epidermidis pan-genome, which is, you know, everything that could be in a staph epidermidis species. And I've got them all phylogenetically mapped. And so we can use different 
techniques for studying the skin microbiome. Our greatest disadvantage is that when I sequence the skin microbiome using shotgun metagenomic methods, I have a lot of human DNA and I have a low biomass. So I am more reliant on mapping reads to reference genomes than someone who is studying the stool. Right. But I have a lot of reference genomes. I've sequenced a lot of reference genomes. So we have to use slightly different methodologies. I asked Julie about her greatest challenges in studying the skin microbiome and how she overcomes them. The low level of microbes or biomass present on the skin can be a real challenge for NGS library construction. NGS library construction is simply the preparation of DNA or RNA into a form that's compatible with the sequencing technology. Julie described how Illumina's Nextera library technology transformed her ability to study the human skin microbiome. It's amazing the changes that have occurred in genomics in the last (laughs) 10 years. And for us, one of the greatest, one of the greatest things was the Nextera libraries. Being able to make sequencing libraries without having to clone and, I mean, just, I mean, the the technology to go straight from a, a DNA sample to basically having something that's ready to go on the sequence or, you know, within hours means that we can now work with these low biomass samples. That for us has been the amazing breakthrough of the last few years. And before that, we couldn't do shotgun metagenomics. Really? When we do swabs from a skin, we don't get enough DNA to make a standard library, but we get enough to make an Xterra library, especially the XT. Yeah. So that opened up worlds for us. Julie feels that NGS-enabled shotgun metagenomics will continue to play a crucial role in studies of the human skin microbiome. Her hope is that future studies will focus on analyzing the skin microbiome in a group of people born during a particular period or year, also called a birth cohort. This would allow us to learn how the skin microbiome gets formed over time. I think in the sequencing realm, shotgun metagenomics is really so powerful because then we can match strains that we have sequenced genomes with a clinical sample. So really, if I could ask for one thing, it would be a well-studied birth cohort. And that's a clinical need where I really feel like I would like to know how humans are colonized and if there is a succession to the order in which these microbes are seen by the human and colonized, the extent to which it's a stochastic process, whether there are keystone species that, you know, you need to see this organism and that will colonize you before these other organisms. And I feel like... When we look at the microbiome and we see all this inter-individual variation, it's very hard for us to understand what are the rules yeah. without knowing what happened before this. Yeah. And that will take some careful study design because then we get into this issue of how many body sites are you going to surveil and how often do you need to sample the microbiome? 
Maybe the changes occur on a daily basis. Maybe they occur on a weekly basis. I asked Julie how a better understanding of the skin microbiome might lead to novel therapies in the future. Previous microbiome studies have primarily identified individual microbes that are associated with diseases or phenotypes. Julie believes that the field needs to move beyond correlation and begin to address causation. She also believes that we need to understand the dynamics of the skin microbiome across the entire age spectrum. That's why I'm saying that I think there's a lot we have to understand about how microbial communities are assembled and stabilized to be able to deliver the next generation of therapies, which would include probiotics, prebiotics, and in addition to antibiotics. Right. You know, we have to move from association to causation. In there, I would say that there is also a role for the microbiome to be used as biomarkers for when is someone about to enter a more inflammatory state. It Mm -hmm. might be that they could track their microbial community as one of their clinical features. Much like a kid measures their blood sugar levels, you could measure what's the ratio of carinobacterium to staphylococcus on my skin right now. Right. I think that could be very valuable. In terms of developing personalized approaches, uh, we have to understand how flexible are these communities? Can you add a new species? And can you add a new species throughout the course of someone's life? Or does it need to be done early? I'd look at this across the age spectrum. And I think that older people also have, you know, their own skin associated right. infections. And and so we need to care for people across all age groups. So understanding the microbial colonization of our skin can help scientists to better understand the disease course of atopic dermatitis and eczema. Technological innovations in sequencing and in NGS library construction continue to drive a fuller understanding of the skin microbiome, and they highlight the potential for novel therapies. But that's all for now. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you won't miss any of our interviews with genomics experts. Join me next time when I'll be highlighting the recent Genetics of Dementia Summit, hosted by Illumina and the UK Dementia Research Institute in London. Leading scientists will provide their perspectives on current trends in the field and on integrating genomics in dementia research and diagnostics, here on the Illumina Genomics Podcast. Podcast.